Welcome back to Talk of the Town on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC on WHTC.com and on the WHTC app for your smartphone. Once again, here's your host, Gary Stevens. Welcome back to Talk of the Town for this Friday, December 29th. Our final guest for 2023 is... An author, a missionary, and someone who has a good story to tell. Her name is Joyce DeRitter, a Holland area woman who stepped out of this country for a number of years, went on to the mission field, got some good memories and some good results, and put it in a book. It's called Courage to Change, a Missions Memoir, 12 Years in Post-Communist Slovakia. Joyce DeRitter is on the other side of our table this morning. Joyce, good morning and welcome to Talk of the Town. Thank you, Gary. It's good to be here. If you have a question for Joyce, she'll be happy to answer it at 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. Before we talk about the book, Joyce, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I grew up here in Holland, Michigan, and uh, went to Holland High, graduated in 1960, and um, then left uh, Holland to go to school, came back in the 1990s for a time, and uh, was principal then at Calvary Schools in Holland, uh, left again, and came back here to retire in 2012. You came back here to retire, but well, like those of us who are believers, we don't retire until he taps us on the shoulder and says, come on home. Absolutely. It was a time of transition, and so writing became my avenue to serve at this time. All right. So why did Joyce DeRitter, retired educator, become a missionary? What led to that? You know, I think I was around missionaries all my life, growing up in a church that supported a lot of missionaries I helped them pack to go back to Africa when I was a teenager, babysat for missionary kids, and first of all, went to Moody Bible Institute with the intention of being a missionary at 18, and I didn't become one officially, a foreign missionary, until I was 55. Before we talk about the experiences that led to the book, Courage to Change, a Missions Memoir. Your story about being a missionary is a little bit different than what a lot of people would think, especially those who are younger or, shall we say, new Christians, where one of the first things they don't want to do is go into the mission field. No, I don't want to go into Africa or South America living in a hut and all that. I couldn't survive. That is a concern that I see a lot of young men and women have. hate to say it. I had that at times, too, where you just don't, you know, I'm not cut out for being a missionary. Your story is a little bit different, though, isn't it? Yes, it is. I, but, but can you understand that? Uh, absolutely, thinking? I understand it. I met a lot of people like that. But 
I had my first cross-cultural experience when I was in high school, and I had a high school Spanish teacher who told us that it was possible to get our second year of Spanish credit by going to a summer school in Monterey, Mexico. And I decided I wanted to go. I rode a Greyhound bus from Holland, Michigan to Monterey, Mexico, and was there in the summer. It was an exciting experience, and it just sort of whetted my appetite to the, the differences in culture. And, of course, then when I studied, I got a Ph.D. in sociology, so everything was orienting me to uh, the enjoyment and the adventure of, of overseas life. All right, Joyce DeRitter is our guest. If you have a question for this author, 616-395-1450, 616-395-1450. All right, mid-50s, retired as an educator, but called to the mission field. What led to the calling, and what led to the circumstances that basically set up the premise for this book? Yes, I... I uh, left teaching in university in 1985 uh, because I was um, recruited to a position at the Foreign Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. And there my job uh, as first in the medical services department, but later as head of a nurture department, was to help nurture people who felt called to missions and uh, to help them to understand what that meant and what they needed to do to prepare themselves spiritually for that. And then through that experience, um, I did travel to many countries when I was in that job because in medical services, I placed uh, medical students overseas for rotation in hospital. And then I was introduced to the person who was my partner in ministry for many years, Joanne Shelton, and uh, things led from one to another that eventually it was really all orchestrated by God that we came to meet each other and then to um, be prepared and went on a couple of mission trips to Slovakia and then felt, you know, shouldn't we go there at this time? And that's what we did. Tell us a little bit about basically the central figure in your memoir, Joanne Shelton. Yes. Uh, the late, I'm sorry to say, Joanne yes, Shelton. Yes, yes. Uh, Joanne was um, uh, a recording artist and a concert artist who had worked in radio and television and uh, was at that time that I met her uh, traveling for the Foreign Mission Board to many countries uh, to do concerts, to spend some time, and the vice president who introduced, who recruited me for work at the Foreign Mission Board was the one who introduced us. And um, so I met her in 1987. I came to know later that um, she had a problem with alcohol. She had alcoholism on both sides of her family. And um, as she grew up, she was a binge drinker, and it was one of those things that um, as she became, in a sense, a celebrity and a recording artist, it was not something she could share with other people, but she did share with me. 
And uh, then I was able a year later to uh, get her to treatment. And that was then, and then she had a chance to stay for extra months after treatment for aftercare. I invited her to stay in my home in Richmond, Virginia. And that was the beginning of, I was working, she was getting into recovery, but beginning to see our compatibility and to dream of being able, perhaps, to work together. Now, Courage to Change, a missions memoir, 12 years in post-communist Slovakia. Joyce DeRitter, you came in pretty much just after the fall of the Iron Curtain, when President Ronald Reagan asked uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, tear this wall down. He did, and... Things went completely, you know, on its head in what was used to be Czechoslovakia to become Slovakia. Talk about getting into that nation on a permanent basis, basically for 12 years. Yes. The first time I was there was actually the year that uh, the Czech and Slovak Republic separated. It was a mission trip, and um, I, by that time, I had studied uh alcohol and drug education and rehabilitation counseling. And one of the things I was invited to do was to talk with pastors and church people about addiction because it was so pervasive in the society. Slovakia is a country the size of West Michigan and about the same population. So out of five and a half million people, Uh, I was told that any night of the week you could find a million of those people drunk. And I saw then the tremendous need there. A year later, Joanne also went to Slovakia with our high school choir. And then as we saw the need, and need is not ever the only reason to go to a field, but it's a part of it. So we saw the need and we were invited Uh, first of all, by a church to come and to help them with the problem of addiction. Was that pretty much the focus of your missionary work, was dealing with addictional problems, or were there other aspects to your missionary work in Slovakia that also took some of your time? That was our heartbeat. That's what we went there for. But you could imagine we were two foreign women. We were in a country that was very closed, uh, and people were not used to trusting one another, and who wants to tell a foreigner about a problem they have with addiction? So it took, we were there 12 years, it took six years before we could get into that work full time. So we took the scriptural admonition, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, and that's what we did, and I think God had prepared both of us. We had experiences in higher education, so we taught in a state university in a department of evangelical theology and mission uh, and worked in in the church and in that university for six years. Now, Joyce, I'm going to bring up a point. I'm not certain whether or not you can speak to it or not, but I have seen seen accounts of uh, those who have gone to Eastern Bloc countries before uh, uh, 1989, basically the, before the fall of the uh, Soviet Union. And they found that the church 
in those Eastern Bloc countries, while not very large, were very strong in the faith. They they couldn't get enough uh, Bible teaching. They couldn't get enough uh, uh, of the Word itself. Did you encounter that with some of the churches in Slovakia, even though it was after the end of the Soviet bloc, where the churches maybe weren't that big, but yet those who were in it were very fervent? That was true. Um, Interestingly, though, uh, during the years of communism, they were not allowed to have Bible studies, but they were allowed to have choirs. And so many times they had a choir and then they would use that time also for Bible study. The biggest problem was that faith was very privatized, as it is really in many lives today. But it, the churches were strong, believers were strong uh, in the church, but they were not ever accustomed to making their faith public or sharing their faith in any way. And so that was a, a part of what we found difficult, uh, we found the depth of their faith wonderful, but we had to really work with them in sharing their faith with others in their society. When you mention sharing, not just the faith, but sharing in period, did you encounter in Slovakia what perhaps some of the other Eastern Bloc countries had in the initial years once the fall of the Soviet Union came, where yeah, they're free, no longer under the Soviet domain, but what do we do now? <laughs> it's almost as if, you know, the shackles are off, so what's next? It's all, you know, they've been led, they've been so used to having such a structured life that now that it's not structured, they're lost. That's true. Interestingly, though, all of us, by the time we're 10 years old, uh, our cultural values are programmed in, and by the time we're 20, they're pretty well locked in. So they were programmed, and their parents had been under communism. The young people we dealt with in the university had only had that influence, and so um, we were dealing with many things there. But the younger generation now is so westernized that there are dangers that have come now because of their westernization and a divide between an older generation and a younger generation. It's almost as if, well, I hate to say this was inevitable, but it is inevitable because, let's put it this way, the first generation afterwards still had the memories that are fresh or their parents were around, but now it's the children of the first generation since and each generation afterwards, as the memories fade and fade and grandma and grandpa no longer around, um, they start making the same mistakes again that led to the problems that in the first place. Absolutely. And that was part of the reason to write the book was to remind them of things the way they used to be, but also of the faith that was there and uh the faith they should still embrace, although they're living in a very westernized Slovakia right now. One other question, and then we'll take our break, Joyce, is more of a perceptual thing of what we see here in the States of Europe in general. 
it seems as if there is a perception that Europe has gone away from the faith. There are those who are still very strong, and that's fine. But it just seems as if, you know, you go into Germany, you go into England, uh, you go in, uh, into other countries, France, and it's almost as if they're more Eastern religion or Muhammad, you know, Islam. It become, it's almost as if they're not, you know, Christianity is just not there anymore. It's almost as if you have to start from scratch over there. Am I wrong or what? No, no, uh, that's correct. But the population of Christians was so small, and uh, because they didn't share their faith, people didn't know anything about Christianity. Of course, most of those in the old Soviet bloc were atheists. And I recall the doctor that lived in the same building we did uh, was so amazed because she met with us as we taught her English, and we prayed with her and so on. And she said uh, for the first time in her life, she saw Christianity lived on a daily basis. And it was amazing to her because she thought of it as something that was shallow and hollow and pretty well dead. Wait a minute. You just mentioned something. I'm going to add to this then. Christianity lived. I hate to say this, Joyce, but too often we see people talk a good game, to use a, 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 a course, perhaps, analogy. They talk a good game. They don't live a good game. Too many believers, I hate to say it, they might say they're believers, but their lifestyles doesn't reflect that. It's almost as if the line of, of one uh, one known uh, uh, agnostic saying, uh, I can't believe in the Christ you speak because you don't live the way the Christ you speak actually lives. Unfortunately, that's not just Eastern Europe or not just Europe in general. That's that's global. That's human nature, I'm afraid. That's right. And, you know, most of the time we don't allow unbelievers to enter our lives closely enough to see how we live day by day. Um, we prayed with this lady every time that she came to the door, and she came to the place. One day she knocked on the door. She said, could I have some prayers? I need them. And um, that was a, a beginning of a relationship that started uh, in the elevator in our building and continues to this day. And it took 25 years before she actually became a believer. Joyce, what led to the decision or what led to what happened as uh, the 12 years ended as a missionary in Slovakia? Yes, well, uh, I was 55 when we went to Slovakia. Joanne was 65. She had had 10 spinal surgeries and uh, some other health problems, and we finally decided to leave at 77 because we found by that time that we had uh, so well prepared the people who were uh, doing working with us as interpreters, and we had established a nonprofit in Slovakia that they could carry on the work without us. And it was just time, it was taking more time uh, just living uh, at that age and dealing with it's not a very handicap friendly country. 
And uh, so it was more difficult to be there. And so we decided then at 67 and 77, it was time to return. But we continued to uh, have Slovaks in our lives every year. We had over all the years until the pandemic. And then this past summer, I went back to Slovakia. And so far, if you sort of left it, you know, it's in good hands right now? It's in great hands, yes. And I'm still on the line of Skype about three to four days a week with Slovaks, discipling a couple of them, and then meeting with the pastor and his wife and sharing and having time of prayer and, and just having some continuing contact with the people there. But Joe's not there. That's right. Joanne's not there, and that, right. that has to hurt a little bit. And that was part of our, our last years, and coming back to Holland, she got to the place where she was not able to walk any longer, and um, she died at home uh, in 20, June of 2022. But through the pandemic years, we were pretty, pretty well isolated there. What do you hope to get from this book? Not... Financially, that's 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 not the question. But what do you hope to get out of this book, having it now published and to be published in you know in the Slovak language starting next yes. month? For the Slovaks, I want them uh, to be affirmed in their faith and their part of the mission, and to be encouraged to continue what they're doing. And for Americans, I want people to see that. Uh, as you said earlier, our ministry in life, if we're believers, is never over until we leave this earth, and that it's quite possible for people who are available and are not with other responsibilities to take on mission work as middle-aged and older people as well. The book is called Courage to Change, a Missions Memoir, 12 Years in post-communist Slovakia, Joyce DeRitter is the author. Now, to get this book, you can certainly locally stop by Reader's World right at the corner of uh, River and 8th in downtown Holland, but also online through Amazon. The book is available, reasonably priced, and uh, again, it'll be uh Put into the Slovak language, which will certainly uh, get the story from them for them uh, into their own into their own language, and hopefully uh, will inspire others to uh, continue the work not only you've done in Slovakia but also elsewhere in the world. Joyce DeRitter, thank you very much for joining us on WHTC's Talk of the Town. A very good book. I heartily. Uh, encourage those people to pick it up and read it. I wish you well in your future endeavors. Thank you so much, Gary. Joyce DeRitter on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC. CBS News with Peter King straight ahead, followed by WHTC News. We'll have some birthday celebrations as well as stories off the beaten path before the Evergreen Commons Report with Barb Bisser and then the CBS, uh, pardon me then, WHTC Midday Report at the bottom of the hour on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC.